Hello, everybody. Welcome to 1v1 here on Bosch Rush Games. I am your host, Eddie V, the one, the only, that retro code. Thank you guys for joining me. I have a amazing an excited and exquisite guest. I've been talking to this person for a while. I found his work online through Twitter and like everything he's posted where he talks about games, how he gets hyped. Um, he used to be in the city and I, I used to just look at all the food that he eat, all the places that he go, all the games that he play and I was just like, I love him. <laughs> <He's been laughs> Like, he is completely an uh, amazing person. Uh, he's the previous features editor at Twinfinite, but currently he is lead guys at Game Funk, Game Rant, and he is the podcast host of Positive Players Podcast. Everybody, please welcome the one, the only, Mr. Grayson Morales. Hello, oh my, good sir. Oh my God, that was like, I, I'm like sweating right now with that introduction. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to like walk on a an Oprah or something right now and everyone's just gonna start like cheering like ah, my God. <laughs> um no thank you that was very kind uh those words that you just said uh yeah hi thanks for having me <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to be here we've been uh yeah like you said we've been interacting for quite some time on Twitter so uh both used to live I used to live in Chicago so we both were used to be in the same city but not anymore unfortunately um yeah, I did eat a lot of food. I always eat a lot of food. You are right on that one. <laughs> we were talking on uh, our PlayStation podcast about Chicago-style hot dogs, just hot dogs in general. And I was talking to them about if you do Chicago hot dog, uh, Chicago hot-style hot dog, um, you have to have Vienna. Because yeah. everywhere you went, it was always Vienna. And, yeah. you know, the the hot peppers, the onions, the long pickle. I, mm. I have to ask you a question. Did they put mustard on it too with the sides? Uh I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure mustard is like a default when you ask for it. When you ask for the hot dog. Which I I personally don't the only thing I take off are the peppers. I just can't do anything spicy. Uh-huh. Um, but I do keep the mustard, even though I'm not a big mustard fan. But it just everything just always tastes good together. Like all that stuff you said, like it's a perfect combination i love and you're right you cannot have it without that specific type of of hot dog because the minute you change it to something it, it's not it's not the same like it's not the same now did you did, did you do the bread with the seeds or not the seeds yeah it's usually the seeds the seeds okay the, the poppy seeds kind of yes yeah or sesame seeds whatever they are yes because mm -hmm. uh i uh when i go to the city and i get one i would get those and then a sprite um, and I'd be good to go. You know, I still haven't found any good fries to go with it, though. Yeah, fries are... There are some places in Chicago that do, like... Um, they're not regular fries, but they're, like, kind of... I don't know what... To, like, they're, they're very salty, and they're, like, almost mm. orange-colored. Okay. Like that. And those taste really good. Um, I think I think it's called Jewtown. Not to be... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, stereotypical but that was the yeah, name yeah, of the yeah. place uh because huh. i think it was uh, what off of madison uh uh there was like downtown i think i think so but it's like a little bit further up um it's, it's one of the uh not the staple center it's one of the centers that's there like they have concerts and stuff there's a place that um you park on the side and you're still by the highway um, and across from it, it used to be like these food places. So you get like a pork chop sandwich, um, mm -hmm. a burger and fries, 
Um, and they got like the best fries. I cannot think of the name. My sister, she's my GPS when I come to the city when I'm driving. <laughs> um, but we would go there. Uh, I always get a cheeseburger and fries and a drink, and she would get like her pork chop sandwiches. And I, I think they are the best place to get fries that I cannot find anywhere else. Um, for it, you know, I used to actually drive to the cities just to go to White Castle. They would- oh my god, dude, I have, I have. I have definitely Uber Eats like White Castle at least four times in my house. <laughs> and it's usually, it was usually like at fucking like, oh, can I curse? Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. It was usually like at 11 or like midnight, you know, around that time. Where I'm like, oh, I just want something garbage right now. And it's so cheap too. Yes. Like White Castle. <laughs> White Castle is the spot in the city. Like we have one here and it was okay, but it was just like, if you want the good, good food, you was in the city. You might go to Church's Chicken or Harold's, um, depending on what you like. Um, but I was always hitting like White Castle. Uh, I never seen an Arby's in the Popeyes in the city or a KFC. There are Popeyes around and KFC because I used to live by Popeyes. Arby's is so it's so funny you mention that because I had never seen Arby's in Chicago, but since I moved to Denver, like they're everywhere, and um. I think I've been there like once when I was like a teenager or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, who was it? Oh, Zombie Kills? Actually, she was saying how like uh, Arby's is like her favorite fast food place. I'm like, I need to try this place out. So I'm gonna try to eat there one of these days because it's it's by our apartment here. So it's just like it's just like roast beef and stuff. So I'm just like, I don't know if I want that from a fast food place. It's just kind of sketchy, like iffy to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh- like. Yeah, we have an Arby's by our house, like five minutes. It's not bad. It's it, I think you would like the curly fries and stuff, um, yes. and the mozzarella sticks. Uh, the sandwiches you could take, leak or leave it. Like I, I think you should just get a classic and see if you like it, like the roast beef and the cheese and the bread. See if you like it. If you get full, like halfway eating the burger, then um, it's done its job. I should say. Do they have? Do they have shakes at Arby's? Yes, they do. I'm about to like go to Arby's and literally just get like mozzarella sticks and onion rings and fries and call it a day probably because <laughs> that's what sounds the most appealing to me. They and, like roast beef with cheese. They do have shakes. Uh, normally when it comes like with March and you know McDonald's have they mint flavor shake. The um, shamrock shake. The shamrock shake. Yeah. yeah. Arby's does the Andy's mint. <laughs> Uh, they do their shake right there. So it's Andy's mint pieces with the mint, and then it's the mint flavor of the shake, and it's mm-hmm. really, really good. Sounds um, good. Yes. But, uh, oh, you're the one that told me about the ramen, I think. Oh, my God, yeah. I'm obsessed with ramen, Chicago. Okay. I need to know all the ramen spots, <laughs> where to go to get some, because I am on a mission this year. Hopefully when COVID, you know, get itself together and we could like really travel and stuff. I want to take the train down to the city um, and find the ramen spots because I I want to try pho. I want to try like ramen. Um, I want to try the sushi in Chicago. Like there's so much Asian food that I want to try. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you are the master of, of knowing <laughs> where to go and what to do. Uh, yeah, I mean so for ramen, like my favorite like go-to spot is always Oystar, and mm-hmm. that's in Wicker. That's in Wicker Park, um, and Wicker Park is like you know a little bit west of downtown. Okay, uh, that's like the Blue Line, and then 
Yeah, ramen. Like, there's a bunch of there's a lot of ramen spots downtown, but a lot of them are hit or miss because they can look very cool and like great for going out with friends, but the ramen's not good at all. And there's some like little hidden gems in there you can find. Yeah, but Oyster is like my number one place for ramen. And then like like Argyle, they have that's like uh they have a big Asian community there. Um, yeah. So they have a lot of boba. They have like a ton of pho places. Um, they have um, uh, is it Korean sandwiches? Ooh. Like being, or I forgot what they're. Is it Korean? Bon mi, yeah, bon mi, which is like a sandwich. Uh, it's like a, a piece of bread and they stuff meat inside and like vegetables and cabbage and stuff. Ooh. And that's actually pretty good if you have like a nice sauce. But yeah, go to Argyle. That's on the red line. And you can go to Chinatown and get like a t- everywhere in Chinatown is good. Like all now, those restaurants. Now where is Chinatown? Is that downtown? Is that across? South. South of downtown. South of downtown. Yeah, it's okay. like one. It's literally like one. You leave downtown, it's like one stop over. It's very easy to get to. It's not like in a bad area or anything. Okay. Um, and I, and what about poke bowls? Because I think I, I I think I tried one from a uh a supermarket and I think I did it wrong. Like, how am I supposed to eat a poke bowl? I never know like what to add or what to do. Uh, Pokeballs was never explained to me. <laughs> I, that's something I'm, I'm also not really into. I think I've had it once. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm not a big uh, sushi person either. So just, it's like the idea of just deconstructed sushi. I'm just like, mm. well, I mean, what's the, and they charge, it's expensive. Like when you go to like those, those shops that only sell that, it's like pretty pricey. So I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. It doesn't really taste like it and it's expensive. So, <laughs> you know, okay. that's, yeah, that's not my, that's like the one thing I don't, like in Chicago, there's a lot of those places. I'm like, I'm not really a fan. Okay. So, yeah. Well, we're gonna get into the show. Uh, the, what I want to start with is, uh, where did gaming start for you? Like, when? How did you get into playing video games and everything? Oh man, I mean, uh, like when people ask me like my first memories, I always go back to uh, the first time I got a Game Boy and like Pokemon Red, which would be like when 19. 19- 97 98 around there yeah so i was like five years old i was born in 93 so i was like maybe five turning six around that age um oh my goodness i'm so young (laughs) so so old for everybody know to everybody know that when you said 93 i was 13 (laughs) at that age i'm like ah (sighs) you look my age i feel like so yeah um i think that's a compliment (laughs) say yeah pokemon red um that was pretty much like my first big RPG, my first time like really diving deep into a video game. Um, I mean, you got like annoyed by that, but when I see people on Twitter like, oh, I was like, <laughs> like this game that came out like 2010, they were like five. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like Super Mario Galaxy is my first game. I'm like, oh no, stop it. <laughs> You're killing me. And they don't know what like a Game Boy is. I'm like, oh my God. I remember getting a Game Boy when it first came out, I think in 89. And I remember it having Tetris and Super Mario Land. And I played Tetris, I played Tetris so much that I somehow <laughs> messed up the down button on the directional pad. So I couldn't press down for a lot of it. So I, I couldn't say nothing about it. I just continued to play games that way that didn't have a down. And try to not duck, not be able to duck in a super in a <laughs> Mario game is ridiculously crazy. Yeah, that's like um, a Dark Souls uh, style speed run. 
<laughs> exactly. But I, when I got my Game Boy Color, I was able to fix all of that. Um, and definitely, like you mentioned, you mentioned Pokemon Red. I did Pokemon Blue. Uh, and I used to be in bed every night watching all in the family playing for hours, grinding and learning that game. It was, yeah, that game was just like, and it kind of shaped the games I would end up liking now. You know what I mean? I still like Pokemon and JRPGs and stuff. And Nintendo's mm-hmm. like my favorite, you know, developer. Um, and you said Tetris too. My mom, my mom is not like a, she doesn't play video games at all. Yeah. But I had I had Tetris for my Game Boy, and I have memories of my mom and I mean like sitting in a doctor's office or something, and her playing Tetris on my Game Boy, and me like asking her for it back. Like that game was is just like was so good. Um, and Super <laughs> Super Mario Land as well. I played a lot of Pokemon Pinball and uh, a lot of bad games. Like I had a uh Doctor Evil game on Game Boy, <laughs> which was like oh, huh? yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was like a bunch of Austin Powers licensed games back then, probably just to make some money. But there was this like I think it was a puzzle game too with Doctor Evil, and I had it for Game Boy, and I was like six and playing this game, seven years old. Probably it's probably inappropriate. I don't know, but yeah, that game and Link's Awakening. Um, Link's Awakening. Yeah, yeah. Game Boy was was fantastic. Like I had a green one too. I think it was my first one. I uh. I had the when I got my Super Nintendo and I had the Super Game Boy Advance that literally changed my life. Like my Game Boy, in a way, it's the it's the Switch uh thing where Game Boy was everywhere I go with you know with it with the game. But when I was home, I'm playing my Game Boy games on my TV on my Super Nintendo. Um, for it, like uh, playing Ninja Turtles. It's funny that you mentioned Tetris because my mom is a was a big Tetris player on the regular Nintendo. My mom, she played uh, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3. She didn't like 2. She never played 2. But, <laughs> Nobody did. <laughs> but she ended up buying a Wii U to play. What? So she ended up, uh, I ended up buying a Wii, and I gave it to my mom because I ended up getting the black Wii. And she ended up buying new Super Mario Brothers herself. And you know how all the safe spots are in there? She got everything 100% done. Like, she beat the game once per time. Yeah, she, well, she called me to do some of the hard stuff, and then I would give her the controller, and she was just (laughs) going to play. Um, She bought a Wii U just to play New Super Mario Brothers U and beat it all. I brought the DLC with Luigi's Mansion, and she beat it all. Um, She got... She got Animal Crossing and paid her whole house within three weeks of having the game. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, I'm still trying to. I still have a tent in Animal Crossing. <laughs> like, yeah. I barely have. Like, yeah, I, that's great. I mean, but she doesn't play anything else. Like, she just she, plays like that. That's she it. Has, she has her own Switch. Um, and she plays the Mario Brothers games, and she played. Uh, she has an iPhone now, um, but she did Super Mario Run on it. She likes the, a little bit mobile games, but she will play a Mario game in a heartbeat. Uh, and I did buy her Animal Crossing, so but I don't know if she's working on that just yet. Oh, um, that's you know, cool. I wish my so, mom played games. <laughs> you know. uh, well, that's cool. Um, so now I want to know where did writing start for you? 
because um, like I said, you previously was the features editor at Twin Infinite, and now you're doing the lead guys at Game uh, Game Rent. But when did you start getting into like writing f- about games and for games? Um, so it actually kind of like fell into my lap. It wasn't something I was sort of actively looking for. Um, like I, I was reading. I was in the the industry in terms of like I was reading IGN all the time when I was in high school. I was reading GameSpot. I was reading reviews. I was like down with embargoes. Like I knew how like everything worked, you know. But I never really thought about writing specifically until like 2014, 2015. It's like five six years ago I think I started. Uh-huh. Um, I started writing for this very small site that's no longer a thing. I think it was called uh, WTF Gamers Only um very very small independent site uh they were looking for contributors uh through their instagram and i was scrolling through instagram one day i saw that they were looking for writers and i was like hey that's cool why not let me try this out and i sent like my sample article and wrote it up and yeah from then i started writing for that site and i made some of my some of my closest friends uh were people who i wrote with at that website and people who i got to meet in person when i went to e3 for the first time like Mm -hmm. in 2015 um and it was just like we didn't have any rules it was just like we were writing whatever the hell we wanted nobody was barely editing our stuff i wasn't really like i was learning you know how to write become a better writer but it was more like a collaborative thing where we were all just writing what we wanted to do and like kind of gave each other edits sometimes but there was mm-hmm. no one really leading us per se um and i wrote there for like two years i think or over two years just i was doing yeah i was doing my normal stuff like my day job i I was working at starbucks going to school or whatever um and i was just right and i would write the most out of all of us like just and we didn't get anything you know i wasn't getting paid it was purely volunteer um and i would write you know a couple articles a week and i would do it more and more and more and more and i was like hey i actually really like doing this and uh after doing that for like two years, I that's when I actually applied to Twinfinite because I saw that they were looking for contributors, and I got hired for uh, Twinfinite, uh, which was like twenty. Oh man, years, years just go by. I want to say twenty. Oh, 2017. I started early okay. twenty seventeen because I wrote. I was covering the Switch when it came out. That's why I remember that. Um, yeah, and I was a contributor at Twinfinite. You know, writing, improving getting better and better as a writer. I ended up getting promoted to a news writer, um, news reporter for a couple months, um, which is when I started getting paid writing stories for them. And then they had an opening for a features editor position. So I was just kind of in the right place at the right time. Uh, my bosses, they came to me and they wanted to give me the position. So I was like, hey, I took that. And that was when I officially kind of like was able to work full time um, and not have like a day job in the video game industry, which is which, which was really cool. Um, and that was like two years ago now. Um, and yeah, and then now I got hired at Game Rant. So that that happened, as you know. Uh, I consider myself kind of like lucky because you, I know, I'm sure you see all these games games industry people like they mm-hmm. they uh um, they put in work these freelancers. You know what I mean? Like yes. they're writing for this side, they're writing for this side, they're writing for this side and this side and this side. And um, I kind of got lucky by like, hey, I, I was a contributor for Twinfinite and only Twinfinite. And I just like, I worked really hard and they've noticed me so, and I got promoted. And Game Rant, you know, I had a special opportunity that fell into my lap and I took that opportunity just because I wanted to change. Um, it's like a fresh experience, you know. Um, 
And like, I, I just feel weird sometimes because I've never had the opportunity or like never really had the experience of like f actually freelancing and like pitching features to IGN and pitching features to GameSpot and Kotaku and Polygon. I just kind of like did my own thing this way and it worked out for me. Uh, so yeah, it's writing is just kind of like, I feel like it wasn't something I was good at before, but I've started just by writing a lot, I got better at it and um, just improved based on getting notes from my editors and things like that. So. Yeah, it's, it's not something. It's not something I originally like. Oh, I want to be a games reporter, or like a games journalist. You know, it's mm -hmm. just like kind of, oh, it happened, sort of thing. It, I, even though I'm like, I haven't pitched anything to like IGN or like games, but like no big company stuff. I think, you know, as a kid, for me, I have been into books and reading so much, and when it came to writing and everything, uh, and learning about creative writing, I. It came to oneup.com where blogs was introduced and people were able to uh, put their blogs out. And I could tell you right now, I'm not good at English. I My thoughts leave my head and sometimes my stuff looks like, what in the world am I talking about? <laughs> my thoughts are different than what I actually write. But I was fortunate enough, even though I don't get, I didn't get paid or anything, I was fortunate enough to have some of my articles on VentureBeat to be published for the community stuff. Cool. And it, it, it's a different feeling when you are a creator and you get to put your content out there and people get to watch it and see it. And you you, you sit back and you're just like, okay, did anyone read it? Did anyone take notice? And that's awesome that people took notice of your work. Like, that's really cool. I don't know if anyone's ever going to take notice of my work or anything, but I always get a thrill when people read my stuff and I get that feedback. Like, I've never had it. I, right now on Boss Rush Games, I do a lot of writing, uh, which, but it's open up to all of us to write stuff. Um, and I've, like, I've never had an editor to edit my stuff. I've never had anyone direct me and like okay you should make your stuff looks like look like this all my stuff has to be like this sounds right i don't know if it's pushed <laughs> or anything tight 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 and put it and put it out there for the message to read um but now i i have people who help me edit stuff and my work has been better and everything so it's really i know what you mean like you you put in the work um out there and you are when people take really take notice they appreciate your work and you have these opportunities and everything because i i wouldn't be able to write a feature and everything or be able to i, well, I probably could but i wouldn't be able to have that opportunities because i'll be like what do i write what do i want people <laughs> to notice and take interest of because like when i do my writing i do my blogs and stuff it's always something that's that's part of the industry, but outside stuff that we don't talk about, you know? I mean, th those like, topics are awesome to bring up, though, because we don't get too many of those topics. And it's like we get the same things over and over again. So I think there, I feel like there are tons of websites out, out there who would gladly accept a pitch like that because I think it's unique, whatever it is. And it's like it's not just about video games. It's about how video games like affect our lives and stuff. You know what I mean? Because I, I know I feel, I feel like Kotaku and Polygon they would totally accept something like that. So I feel like you shouldn't be afraid to pitch if that's like something you would like to do, you know? Well, you never, all they can do is say no. Right. Or not even respond. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> or, <yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
one of my that I just really uh that I released like a couple of weeks back was I was talking about EA and Nintendo shit in their business relationship because I feel like EA really doesn't want to support Nintendo, mm-hmm. but they want to support, but they know that if they would if they would treat uh Nintendo fair like Microsoft and Sony, I think they would be rewarded well, but. EA just like kind of kind of cheats Nintendo out, and I know one of my one of my friends on Rush Rush is just like you. Uh, I, I'm assuming this this you mad at EA because Switch didn't get the Mass Effect uh, trilogy. I was just like, no. I, I was like that may be part of it. I'm like some of that is part of it. Who knows what's in the future? Um, but EA is not sticking to their word. You know, they believe that if they have a bigger audience. They could put their product out and, you know, people will enjoy their games. Well, Nintendo has a big audience now, so why are they still being ignored, in a sense? And so when I wrote it, I was kind of, I was writing from a point of view of being a disappointed gamer and more of EA. And I know EA, EA and Nintendo says they have a good business relationship, but it's not shown or anything. No. So I mean, when Oh, go ahead. Wasn't that FIFA? Wasn't that FIFA game? What was the game that just came out that IGN reviewed because it was literally the same, they gave it the same score, the same FIFA review. Because, yeah, it's like EA wants these. It's like EA is just shitting out these sports games like half-assed, watered down, and expect. And they're like, why aren't people buying your games? It's like, well, you're putting out shit, and you're expecting people to buy it because there's a lot of people in the market. But that's not how it works. You got to put out a quality product, and it's like. Like you said, they might as well not support the Switch at all if they're not going to put out the same quality games on the on the platform, you know? And, 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 and I I have this discussion with some people about EA um, and actually about third parties on, with Nintendo. Um, definitely with Switch, it's just like, of course, indies are building stuff up and putting their stuff, but why can't third parties get Nintendo's systems or development kits and be able to make original content from their sales why do you have to give it to a port house to put it on their consoles you have engineers and softwares who are smart enough to do this so why are you not able to be able to put this out and writing about stuff like that is something that may anger people or anything but it causes more for discussion then it's supposed then it's angering out. And I don't know if you ever had that. Have you ever put a piece out where it's more for discussion and not to anger anybody? Um nothing that comes to mind really. Cause I at Twinfinite, like my features weren't really like I didn't really write like too in-depth personal topics. They're more mm-hmm. like fun, lighthearted stuff. Um yeah. Yeah, nothing I can think of actually. Have you ever wanted to, or have you ever felt yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, there's been times where like I wanted to write something, but I just didn't know how to put it into words. Uh, at the time, like stuff about, um, like I did manage to write something, but like something, something that comes to mind is like uh, I wrote a piece about Life is Strange too, mm-hmm. and how it, um, oh shit, like how about just about how it tackled like uh, racism and like is being a Hispanic person in America in 2020 and stuff like that. And I, I forgot what I wrote, like what's, what actually like argued, but people got, ang- like I had a lot of negative comments saying I'm an S, you know, SJW, whatever, 
I'm like pushing progressive, you know, all this shit. Like I want characters to be gay. People think I want all characters to be Hispanic. And it's like, no, I just want more representation. You know, you get people are like that all the time. Um, that's like the one thing I can think of where I wrote something and I wanted to kind of put more of my heart into it, but I just mm -hmm. like kind of left it, um, not shallow, but not too heavy or like not too controversial. It was like kept it like at a base level. <laughs> And I, I, I think for me, it's like when I sometimes write stuff like that, I want to push the envelope. And I know I may get someone, someone may not read it, but someone may be mad at me because I said it. Uh, but the, my thing has been always been, well, hey, talk to me about it because my stuff is out there. We could, I could podcast. We could be on Skype. We, we know each other or not even, even if we don't podcast, you have the freedom to write. A, a different opinion a different viewpoint and it, it, it surprises me that when and this kind of happens for every writer it, it it's amazing to see that people would not write take your piece and write something opposite of it they don't have to mention you but they don't but they should be able to be able to do the research and be able to write a piece that goes against what you're saying but in their own style and I think a lot of people don't do that. It's just easier to say something in the comment section and move on. You know, yeah. it's 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 a it's a review score of game in a sense <laughs> where people could yell at someone who has played the game in full and who has talked about it and review it. But if you but if you have the opportunity, like even Metacritic, like if you had the opportunity opportunity to review a game and give it a score, you should be able to do that. But put it out where people could be just as judgmental as you are when professional writers are doing reviews that you are calling out. You, mm -hmm. you get what I'm saying in a sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So, um, uh, were gaming magazines part of your gaming journey? Give me magazines. Yeah, like yes. writing and yeah. stuff like that. So I, yeah, I was also I was subscribed to Nintendo Power for a couple of years when I was a kid, which was like the best times of my life. Waiting in the waiting like for that mail to come in and like reading those pages and like because I at that time I didn't really have a computer or I didn't or I didn't use it often, mm -hmm. so that was like my source for a lot of Nintendo stuff. For like these like nice crisp pages of like screenshots of like a new Zelda game or like in reviews and stuff and it's like the kid I was like blowing my mind like reading oh my god this game was announced or this game's coming out I'm like oh I have to buy this game and like that influenced a lot of my purchases back then and like oh I'm getting this DS game or I'm getting this Wii game or whatever because Nintendo Power told me to and then yeah I read Game Informer a lot too um, back when I was like in college maybe like early 20s but I stopped subscribing now yeah I love gaming magazines they're they're awesome they're so cool I'm still part of Game Reformer, like subscribe to them. Uh, but like Electronic Gaming Monthly, like was my Bible. That and Game yeah. for where my Bible. While I was every time I went to Walgreens, I would run <laughs> to <laughs> the magazine section and pick it up and try to show my mom, hey, it's only five dollars a month. You know, I, I didn't subscribe. Like she would pay it, she would give it to me. And when I got home, I would read like back and forth, like everything. Um and my mom was surprised that like, yeah, it is about games and stuff, but I love reading the articles. I love knowing what is going around in the world because like I didn't know stuff and I didn't know the gaming culture of Japan. And mm -hmm. EGM was like my uh were my eyes to like in a, in a sense to see that. 
because I was just like, oh, this is how I'm learning about PlayStation. This is how I'm learning about Sega Saturn. Um, what's going on with the PlayStation 3? Like, EGM <laughs> was every month was for, uh, was like my Bible. Um, now, you have interviewed various peoples. Um, how was those moments? Like, nerve-wracking. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I've, I get so nervous doing stuff like that. Um, Cause I'm just like, it's nervous getting interviewed. And for me, it's nervous interviewing people where like, you know, you just don't know what you're gonna like say or like you don't wanna mess up or say something stupid. And you're like, I'm like trying to record their voice and like talk and ask questions and write stuff down at the same time or play a game. And it's like, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, nerves like going on. I get like anxiety from it, but they are always very fun. Um, you know, I would prefer an interview like uh, by email, which are fun to do. But yeah, the ones in person I've I've done, and they're they're a lot of fun. Like I've, um, I think my first time was this last not uh, E3, not wait, not this year. There was no E3 last year, 2019. Yeah, right. Yeah, I interviewed like I had like three interviews or four, and it was like, oh, I was so stressed out because I got to interview. Um, the creative director of Watch Dogs Legion, because I played like a demo of that at E3. Oh, nice. Um, Clint Hawking, that's his name. And then I got to preview Control as well. And that was all, that was probably the, like, the, one of my better experiences because I was like in a nice room with the one of the writers and one of the, the designers, I think. Mm-hmm. And instead of like an interview, it was more like I was playing the game for like 40 minutes and I was recording everything and we were just kind of talking and I was asking them questions. So it was like very laid back and chill. Um, no, yeah, interviews are, are really fun. Like, I love whenever I get the opportunity to do them because it's like, it's cool putting it out, putting it out like when it's published because it's like it's original content. Yeah, and it's like that's my story. Like, I've seen, um, I did an Anjala interview at Twinfinite. Uh, I got to talk to like the CEO of that company that makes that game. Oh, nice. Uh, when I talked to him, it was like he's Japanese, so it was like by email and it got translated or whatever. But I discovered that like this this Ninjala like YouTuber did a whole video about my interview, and I, I saw that like a couple months ago, and I'm like, oh shit, this is so cool! <laughs> he had like a lot of views, and he mentioned my name. I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome! And the comments were all positive, like, oh great interview, that's awesome. Those are such a good questions. So I'm like, oh my god, that's like one of the coolest things that's happened to me. And then now I follow him on Twitter, and he follows me too, like that YouTuber. Um, so yeah, it's like cool putting out original content and then like being able to talk to game developers. You know, it's so interesting like hearing how everything works and like how the game was created and like their thought process on things and the, everything. It's it's awesome. Uh, we, me and my friend Larry, uh, we host another podcast called World War One Podcast, and we got to talk to the developers of Yacht Club for Shovel Knight. Oh, it's awesome! And we it. It, it was what was cool about it is just like it felt like we knew them for years and vice versa because we was laughing we was talking we of course you know we broke down uh we was we was talking about a uh, shovel night but we had a conversation about mega man in castlevania and oh, it was oh. it was so good and talking a little bit about way forward and everything and it was just like i think when you meet when you meet different developers and musicians and creators and just talk to them, uh, when everybody's kind of like on the same level in a sense, it feels like you know this person for years, even though you meet them for the first time. You know? Yeah, it's, that's so true. Like, g- games people, like developers, they're, they're always usually so kind and like 
they did, they're just showing you their game and they're so happy with their game and it just makes me feel so so good and they're feeling good and they're scared about showing it but like i'm also nervous about playing it next to them it's like such a wholesome experience like um I remember playing, uh, you know, Boyfriend Dungeon, like the indie game? That's supposed yes! To I'm ready. I want that to come out. I'm ready and excited yeah. for that game. I um, I played that at PAX last year, um, which I, I liked it a lot. It was really fun. Uh, and I told the community the community manager, she was there, like, you know, showing us the game and stuff. And I was telling her, like, oh, this game is it's so good. It's so much fun. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. Um, and she's actually the community manager for Among Us team, that team now. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, oh, I met her there for, like, a second. I'm like, oh, it's so cool that she does, like, she was at the Game Awards and stuff, like, present, uh, when they were winning their Among Us stuff. Uh. So, it's, like, so cool when you could give people, like, just tell people how much you like it and seeing their reactions. Um, like, it's just, like, such a good a good moment, you know? I, I, and I know developers, they probably feel nervous, like you said earlier, putting, letting people try their stuff because they're, I think they're more nervous about the response Mm. Then it is the when you're in that kind of environment, you should have anticipation to let to see how people are going to play my game, like how they're going to take it and stuff. And people, I think people get nervous to be like, what are they going to say if they don't if they don't like it? <laughs> then different things run through your head and stuff. And I wish I could go to PAX. I always wanted to go to PAX. I always. If I ever ever go to a con in different places and people are there. Um, having their game for people to try out, I will always go there and try it and like have a conversation with them, tell them the good things and stuff that I could see what could be work on because I feel like anything that you play at a con is a work in progress, it's yeah. not finished product and stuff. And so, mm -hmm. if they know that their game is janky but the idea is there, you could tell them that, you know, and to be like. Yes, it has some problems, but I love the concept that you're going with. And I know you and the team are going to get it together. So when it comes out, it's going to be different uh, than what I think. They would probably start crying if you told them that. Because there there are some games at PAX that are, like, very rough around the edges, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, they usually don't have anyone waiting in line to play it. And they're looking for people. And it's, like, those are the ones who really, like, need the, like, the inspiration, you know, like, the pep talk, like that. Right. Um, and and I think the feedback is not to hurt them, but to help them to be mm -hmm. like, I could see when you, I think if you tell a uh, developer that your, their concept is strong and they got something to do, go, when you go and you leave here and whatever feedback you wrote down and got you and the team focus on it, clean it up and be creative. Don't let. Don't let us get get to you or like don't let our words feel like we're hurting you because we really want to help you because the thing about it is definitely in this age and we are able to help developers really bring out, bring out their games definitely for Switch alone. We see a physical version on lo No Limit. Oh, No Limit, goodness. On Limited Run Games, there's a possibility that we're going to have someone buying that game on no, on limited run and the switch version was still out more than the ps4 xbox version mm. or see the ps4 so um i think that's cool though um has there ever been a point where it felt too much like the writing the interviewing that you're just like oh i can't i feel like i can't do this like has it ever been <laughs> <laughs> um i mean no not not to that extent i think it I think it's just to me there are times when 
I, I sort of get into like a rut where I feel like I'm kind of, I'm constantly sort of repeating, doing the same thing over and over again, like a monotonous task or something. Mm-hmm. And that definitely happened like this past year with COVID and stuff. Like, I got really depressed and stuff. You know, I feel like a lot of people <laughs> went through similar emotions. Um, and yeah, like there, there are times when like every time I think about like a new video game coming out, it will like stress me out. Or like, oh my god, it was like, like last, like it was crazy this past holiday season with like Cyberpunk and all these new console launches and stuff. I thought I was gonna have like yeah. a heart attack <laughs> with everything. Um, but no, I mean, I, I've never been like, oh, it's too much for me. But there have been times I'm like, yeah, this is very stressful. But you know, it's it's cool when you're working together with a team and you're all kind of going through the same things together. Um, so you don't feel like you're by yourself, like drowning. You know, you're someone's always there to like help you out at the end of the day. Um, there are also times when I feel like uh, I kind of need to change something because mm-hmm. I'm a person who like really likes change. I don't like doing the same thing over and over again, which is like one of the reasons why I felt like I needed to transition to a different career or a different job because I just n- nothing with Twinfinite. Like I loved working there. It's just like, hey, I, I need it's a new year. This year sucked. I'm moving. I just kind of want something new. And like, that's how I am. You know, I'm just kind of, it was just kind of taking the risk and like, okay, let's see how this works. If, you know, if I don't like it, I'll find something else. But it's been, this is my first week of work and it's been great so far. So uh, I'm happy with my position so far. <laughs> yes. Um, when times got rough, did you ever go back to a game that reminds you on why you love doing what you do? Mm. Oh, like playing old games. I mean, playing anything Mar- on the Nintendo, to be honest. Um, like, I love replaying, like, old 3D Mario games. Like, I just replayed the, you know, the 3D Mario collection that just came yeah. on the Switch, which was, like, playing Simon Galaxy. I'm like, oh, my God, like, games are, like, I fucking love video games. Like, that game is, like, perfect to me. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, other games I kind of go back to. I don't know. It's, like... I played a lot of video games, a lot of Nintendo games specifically around the DS and Wii era yeah. because I only I only had like a DS and I only had like a Wii and I didn't know anything about PlayStation 3 or like Xbox like 360s. I didn't I didn't get those till later on like the end of their cycles. So like I had a, like a lot of years in my life where I just played Nintendo games and like DS and Wii games to me and like Game Boy Advance games too I guess are just like mm-hmm. my essence. Like I played everything, like even the most obscure stuff. Like I played like I love Rhythm Heaven and like Elite Beat Agents. And yes, Pokemon. yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I love WarioWare and like, uh, yeah, just like any Nintendo game just kind of reminds me like about why I, I like writing about video games, why I like being in the video game space. Like, you know, I, I like PlayStation as well. I love what they do. But like Nintendo just has this magic that just always makes me feel like a kid again. It's like there's something I just can't, I just love it so much, you know, like, Yeah. Nintendo games. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong, really. Uh, uh, how was your time at Twinfinite? Um, yeah, like I mentioned, it was it was a good time. I I was there for a couple years, like writing as a as a contributor and uh, working my way to my news reporter and the features editor. And um, I had a lot of fun, especially my like two years as features editor, because like like I said, I got to do a lot of interviews at E3 and PAX, and I got to preview games and then write, you know, impressions, features, like, very, very quickly, like, day of or day after. Um, So it's it's very hectic at times, like, especially during the convention, I'm, like, running around, like, oh, I have this appointment at 3 o'clock, 
And then I have to go to the other side of the convention at four o'clock, five o'clock for this one. I'm like, I have to write this article and I have to eat eventually or drink water. I'm like, ah, I'm dying. But uh, no, like uh, I got to lot of, I got to write a lot of fun stuff. At Twin Fin, I was kind of given permission to kind of do whatever I want. Uh, as long as it's, you know, not controversial or like, you know, anything like hurtful or negative, you know. Um, so I wrote a lot of stupid, dumb, fun stuff, um, which I think is kind of why they wanted, they hired me for that position. Like they just wanted more fun stuff, more quirky things, like out of the box ideas for um, topics that we don't see often, um, which it was, it was great. It was a good time. Um, had a lot of laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Uh, like, like as someone who's like not a strong writer, it, it just sort of suits me more, suits me better to write like the fun features instead of like going, I, I don't, I'm not doing like deep dive analysis mm -hmm. on like 3000 word long form feature. It was kind of like, I'm going to write, you know, 500 words about people putting baby Yoda on their Christmas trees <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. And I can do that and I can write about, you know. My, I was like the Nintendo editor too, basically. I was the only one who really, really was invested in everything Nintendo. Where I was like, hey guys, like there's a, there's a um, indie direct or whatever tomorrow morning. I'm going to help. Um, I need some help covering it. And they're like, what? What is that? <laughs> like, oh, no, I, I got it. Don't worry, guys. I'll just take care <laughs> of it myself. <laughs> I, uh, uh, on one of my, I think I did this on Twitter. I put like, I never would understand how people could play Bub. Bloodborne, give it praise, but cannot finish Super Mario Brothers or NES, or play Contra without the Contra code. It's 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 amazing to me. <laughs> and there's someone was just like, because those games are old. I'm just like, Contra's hard though. Contra's hard as hell compared to Bloodborne. Well, I feel like I feel like old games are harder in a different way. Where like they're just unfair. Where I feel like. I feel like Demon Souls is and Dark Souls and stuff. It's like it's, is it un is it unfair or is it because Bloodborne has still has a safety net and older game older retro games don't have a safety net. Yeah, like you, you have, have to, to start the entire game over most most of the time. I mean that's where because that's why they did that back then because they wanted people to play the game for a long time to make mm -hmm. the game last because people are paying like a lot of money for this like game that can be completed in like twenty minutes, but they make it oh let's make it hard and it'll take 10, 20 hours to finish it. Um, but now we have longer games, so I feel like, uh, I don't know, yeah, old games are hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point I was trying to make. And now that you are lead guys at Game Rent, what is your goal for it? Oh man, um, my goal, I mean, like my goal at Game Rant specifically, yeah. what I'm trying to do. Yeah, so, so Game Rant, um, they're growing very fast. Um, I don't know if you know, but they are sister sites to The Gamer and ScreenNet, no, Screen Rant. Ah. And um, there's one more, I always forget. Collider, I think they have as well. There's four sites. And Screen Rant's like the big mama. That, that's their moneymaker right there. <laughs> like Screen Rant, yeah, Screen Rant is huge. Uh, like in, for, they do a lot of YouTube stuff, like millions of subscribers. Mm. And then their, their website gets like crazy amounts of traffic. Um, but these other sites are a little bit smaller and Game Rant before now hasn't really had anyone focus on guides. They just fo mostly focus on lists and features and like news and stuff. Yeah. So gu guides was kind of like the weaker part of their, um, like the weaker branch, you know? Um, so they wanted to find someone to kind of help bring it up off the ground. So they hired me. Uh, so I'm just trying to basically 
write more guides. <laughs> That's like the bulk of my work, making sure that we hit a quota every day. And whether I'm writing or other people are writing the guides, I'm, I'm also editing a lot as well. Uh, and I haven't like done it yet, but soon once I kind of get deeper into my job position, mm -hmm. I'm going to eventually have the opportunity to hire freelancers to help me with guides as well for the site. And that's a responsibility I've never had. I've never like had the chance to hire people. So like being, having that role, it's like, oh God, I'm not like, this is too much. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's a, uh, I think it's going to be a great experience for me. Um, and it's going to help me connect with a lot of freelancers who I know who I, or who I don't know. And I could be like, hey, I'm looking for uh, like Monster Hunter Rise comes out and we need people on this. So I'm going to hire this guy and this guy or this girl to come help me, which is it sounds fun. And kind of having like a team of people to help cover like big releases. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to like, I'm helping Game Rant become bigger and better and kind of pick their guides up off the floor and kind of like just go crazy with it. So did you do, yeah. do you like uh, record your gameplay? and stuff like a capture card and stuff and then go uh, back watch it and then take notes no we don't really do like we're not we don't do like walkthroughs really like mm -hmm. uh similar to similar to twinfinite we don't do like uh we just kind of do uh what's like trending articles or people are looking for okay. so we'll have like we'll have like one article about one certain quest in assassin's creed or one article about like how to get this pokemon and pokemon go for example so i mean it's kind of my job to look up trends and seeing what's popping throw throw out guides for other people to write, throw out guides, you know, find guides for me to write every day. That's mm -hmm. pretty much what it is so far. So it's a lot of, it's it's a lot of fun. It's cool like seeing what's popular and like um I'm also learning a lot about games that I don't play at all. So kind of like watching having to watch like footage and like look up information and things. So that's been exciting. It's like cuz I usually don't like doing that. So <laughs> it's helping me uh break out of my shell a little bit in terms of my video game knowledge and expertise. So that's one of my goals is to buy games that buy games and get to genres that I never played or anything and should, learn. Totally should. Cause I've started doing that maybe like, I think I, I pretty much started doing that when I started doing uh, features at 20 like a year or two ago. Mm. Um, I was like, I need to make sure I can get feature ideas for every big release. So I pretty much made it my goal to play at least like, like the big popular games, at least try it out once. And it, it turns out being, more better more good than bad because a lot of these games uh some of my favorite games of all time now like games i would not have played um like on my own because i played like sekiro for example last year mm -hmm. and i love that game well two years ago now sekiro is like my, my game of the year actually that year i think i, I, I need I to finish sekiro yeah sekiro. it's good it's good so, so just, that, that was my first like soulsborne game so i was like hey i'm, I'm just gonna try this i'm like oh shit, this is really good and now i'm playing demon souls so it can lead you to like you know Finding games you don't you think you wouldn't like, mm. you'll probably end up falling in love with it, you know. Uh, Dungeon Master on NES was my first Souls game. Um, look it up, everybody. You'll be is like, like a, is, is it like a dungeon crawler kind of thing? Um, I think so. It's like everything is on one stage, and you go through these different doors to go up through the dungeon. But it's yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, like it's like. It's kind of like one note, but if you die and everything, it got some fab, some fantastic box art. But like, if you die, you got to start at the beginning, like straight. Everything is like no What's continues. You lose everything. A dungeon master or NES. Okay, I gotta see this box art now. Let's see the box art. Oh, and that's cool. You get into like first person fights. 
like kind of like the uh etrian odyssey series yeah that is that is a pretty cool boxer not gonna lie yeah so um you are host of the positive players podcast uh can you tell us all about it yeah that is my podcast that i created last year because COVID sucked and <laughs> I I even pop I had the idea popping in my head for like a while now about wanting to start a podcast because like everyone has one at this point <laughs> and I just kind of wanted to you know have something else uh, like un- under my belt just some experience um and yeah I kind of just did it to uh talk to people about um, not only video games but just like how this year how 2020 like affected them personally um, it wasn't like all about that. It was more like, hey, what's your favorite game? What got you into games? Similar to like this podcast a little bit, like a one-on-one uh, yeah. show, a one-on-one show. Um, it was cool. I had like Janet Garcia, who used to work at IGN. I had a lot of good friends of mine that I've known for a while, um, who I got to see like face-to-face for the first time. And kind of, I like, just got to learn about them, have like, you know, just off the wall, funny conversations about whatever. Um I just didn't want it to be like, be like a deep analysis about games or like talking about any negative stuff. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, positive positivity. You know, that was like the theme. Um, I did 10 episodes uh, last year and I haven't done any more. I, I do plan on bringing it back this year. But yeah, podcasts are hard. It's hard to put one out every <laughs> week. I don't know how. I don't know how podcasters do it, to be honest. Like I was <laughs> I'm like, especially hosting. It's a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy. And I was like, it was almost like an interview every week and it would stress me out. So I'm thinking of like a different format for the mm-hmm. next like batch of episodes that I decide to do. I'm not sure yet. I just don't want it to be like so rigid and like this is the interview sort of thing. I want it to be more free form, like conversational, if anything. I host uh, multiple podcasts. Um, like back in the day, I was doing like almost like five podcasts, hosting and co-hosting a week. Oh on a my daily basis. goodness! So, um, I, wow. I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned World One One podcast. I used to host that, but I'm, I'm a co-host when I can uh, be there. Um, I have my own podcast, Optional Opinion, um, where that show is kind of like I said when I when I mentioned about talking about things that's outside the video game, or like I have uh, the, a discussion um, called like Can Video Games Help Your Sex Life? <laughs> And I talked to a gay couple. I talked to a straight couple. Uh, well, a gay man, a straight man. And then I still got to do the third part, which is I got to talk <laughs> to a couple like who play video games. And is it there are times like if you play like a good game and making bets, it makes you feel a little bit naughty and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but I also did uh, one about um, talking about Ying Yang Lee. Uh, Ying, uh, Ying Yang Lee about how he wanted all these inrated games to be banned and everything and then you end up at the end seeing that he got like with the mafia and stuff how he got caught up in there and everything so it's just mm-hmm. like you try to ban the inrated games but you're doing <laughs> grand theft auto inrated stuff <laughs> he's living an m-rated life right <laughs> um I, I i did a discussion about um you know colorblind rpg should it been released and i kind of said that it should have been we should have been able to play it and get an idea of what these creators were thinking of because even though it's a tragic event and it was kind of put into a video game form i think that game 
could have spoke to a lot of people in different ways. And then instead of just being that, oh, you're making money, which they weren't, they were just doing the indie game. You're taking something that's tragic and making a game out of it. Like it's something, a mockery or or, or somebody else supposed to play, to play this stuff. And I kind of do different stuff like that. And it's a one man's podcast. So, uh, when you've been doing it for years, you kind of get to into the routine of doing stuff like that and everything. And to me, it's fun hosting. I, I love hosting podcasts. If anyone needs me to host anything, you know, I'll go in and, and, because and, I think I've been doing this for like doing up my own podcast and hosting the podcast. I've been doing it for six years. Yeah. It's, yeah. At that point, I feel like it is, it's second nature to you, you know? Exactly. And definitely when it's a new podcast and you no one knows how things gonna turn out, I'll start it and just <laughs> be like kind of trying to set the tone and set the personality and then everybody just come in. It just feels natural. You know, you 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 sometimes when you listen to podcasts, you'll be like, Is that natural? Is is do you believe everybody is really talking and stuff, or they're just making points? Like they all got notes, yeah. reading their notes, and then going home after. No, when you listen to our podcast, you may be mad at me, you may love me or anything, <laughs> but everything feels natural. Everybody laughs, everybody has a good time, and different conversations come up that you didn't expect. Me and my friend Corey, uh, we did a Nintendo. We have a Nintendo podcast, and. We're gonna get to the last question, then I'll let you go. Um, we, he was just like, I don't know what we're gonna do about the show. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna talk about this episode. <laughs> and we talked about uh, the Wii U, and we talked about I think Breath of the Wild and just some other games. But we really we stood on the Breath of the Wild, and when we got done talking, recording the show, he was just like, How did we do this? I'm just like. Because we were natural. We talked about, yeah, we talked about Breath of the Wild and some other stuff. But I'm like, but what we have natural conversations off that's not being recorded, it's the same thing where we're doing podcasts. Mm. So this is uh, the best podcast to listen to because I can't stand a podcast where it's like, like you said, like it sounds like two robots just talking to each other about like, like they're not really saying their real opinions and it kind of just like they're rushing things along. They don't want to like, stray off topic for too long i'm like that's like the best parts of podcast and they stray off topic personally because like it goes off the rails and it's chaotic but it's always like a good time you know yeah uh me and my friend our theme is world one one podcast we're prof professionally unprofessional <laughs> so yeah that um, sounds like me too uh, that is true um what is your favorite snack? We're going to end this, this episode. I always love to ask my guests, because I used to ask, ask my guests, what was their favorite cereal? Uh, but now I just, like, what is your favorite snack? I know we talked about hot dogs at the beginning, but, like, <laughs> and ramen and stuff, but what is your go-to snack? Yeah, I saw this question earlier, and I, like, looked at it, but I didn't, like, I couldn't think of one at the time. So I'm like, oh, just, like, when it comes to me. So... So a snack, I mean, to me, my favorite, I have a fruit, a favorite fruit, but I wouldn't okay. consider that like a snack. You really. can consider that as a snack that's if a, you want that's to. That's a, fine. A, a, a pomegranate or like my favorite. <gasps> really? Yes. And then like snack snacks would be like, I love popcorn and like pistachios, like shelled pistachios, uh -huh. sour gummy worms, but I don't eat those anymore because they fucking like rot my teeth. So... Uh -huh. 
<laughs> I have them like once a year. I feel like now I just can't eat them. I never had a pomegranate, uh, the fruit actually, but so where Seven Seven Up was the first drink to do that flavor, and I was always buying those Seven Up flavors. I, they don't make it no more. I, I don't see it no more. But when pomegranate was big in the soda soda uh, um, kind of market, Seven mm. Up was the best because I can't drink Seven Up cherry. I don't taste no cherry in Seven Up. Yeah, um, yeah, and pomegranates are weird because I can't have them all the time because they're not available all the time. Like they'll show up in grocery stores uh-huh. like a couple months out of the year. So it's like when I when I see them in stores, like you can ask my like my boyfriend. I'm like, oh my god, they have pomegranates! Like, oh my god, I have to get like three. Four. Exactly. Like, they're so good. Like, and it takes so long to open up. But like, I have a ritual where I like I cut it open, I sit down, and I like peel every. I take off. I take out every little seed, and I put uh-huh. it in a cup. And then I throw the fruit, the pomegranate away, and I just sit down and eat them all, like, out of a cup or something, or out of a bowl, instead of, like, taking it apart and eating it, like, one by one. I don't know. That's just my thing. But they're so good when they're, like, nice and fresh and ripe and juicy um, and not sour. Ah. Underrated fruit, in my opinion. <laughs> but it's a lot of people didn't notice it until it yeah. just appeared. They'd be like, what is this fruit? And people this like, red thing. Exactly. People call it. I heard people call it Chinese apple. When I was a kid, I heard that a lot. I I I didn't know Pomegranate until Seven Up did it. I I our stores and <laughs> our stores around in my area they never sold it. No fruit market sold it or anything. Yeah, I feel like when I was like a kid, I never seen it in my life, and then one day that is all my mom started eating them a lot. And I'm like, what is that? I like it. And then. She was mad because I would always eat hers. <laughs> so I started getting my own. All right. Well, Grayson, thank you for joining us. Go ahead and plug anything that you want to. Sure. Yeah. Um, this is my first time I plugging Game Rant, so it, I'm so, so not used to it. I'm like, Twinfinite? I mean, no, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> but still, check out Twinfinite. They do a lot of cool stuff, too. But no, you can, you can find my guides at GameRant.com. Um, writing lots of guides so <laughs> if you want to find out how to get a uh, shiny snivy pokemon go i just wrote that nice. <laughs> random random assassin's creed quests and stuff um you can also follow me on twitter uh at grayson morales it's just my first name and last name nothing fancy and then um yeah you can follow the podcast the uh, positive players podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify and pretty much anywhere else you would get your podcast um and yeah that's it that's it pretty much that's all my my things all right and if you need me as a guest i'm available <laughs> oh for sure i will totally bring you on like when i when i bring that back you'll be on my list for sure yes you guys <laughs> can find me on twitter at that virtual code you can check more boss rush content at bossrushgames.com. check out um arsenal x crossroads our playstation podcast arsenal x is our xbox podcast um nintendo power block um boss rush games recap talk the walk and more podcasts that we have on and check out some of our writings at bossrushgames.com. and all, like i said earlier check out world one one podcast at podbean.com with that everybody have a great week have a great weekend thank you grayson uh, we might be inviting you back on later on in this year because um last year we did our first ever pride panel and i would love to have you all for this year for our oh pride God, that, panel. Sounds, that sounds incredible 
so uh yes it's, it's going to be a event um because we didn't get to celebrate pride or anything um but it was our first time doing it and we me and these and our other co-hosts we had so much fun and i would love to have you back i would love to have you on that pride panel. i have i would have someone else that would probably be interested in doing that if you needed someone else in the industry that's um that's also gay. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the more the merrier. <laughs> so. Yeah. Thank, well, thank you. Um, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank I had you. a really good time. Thank you for coming on. And everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And as always, let's continue to play video games and be better to one another. As always, be you, be more, and be better. With that, everybody, we'll see you next time on 1v1. Bye, everybody. Bye.